always green around the other side. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to another edition of Green and Growing right here, seven minutes past the hour. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca along with you for the next three hours. Thank you so much for, again, listening to the show. We have a lot to cover today. Transitioning between seasons always seems to be the time when we're a little more inspired and motivated to get things done. So it is slowly getting cooler. I know the other day, maybe reach 90 again, sure, but starting to get a lot cooler and a lot more rain. So we're just kind of winding down summer, getting into the fall season. And of course, I'm thinking mainly the fall vegetable crops that you're able to start thinking about now. Maybe you had some disappointment with your summer crops like I did. Didn't get a single pepper, didn't get a single squash like we were supposed to. Um, beginnings of, of them, they flowered and, and everything turned out great. So I, I want another chance and I feel like I may have a little more control and getting a lot more sunlight too for that fall garden because some of the leaves are going to start to fall off the trees and maybe a little more sun will filter through to the backyard. So I want to know what you're up to, what kind of things you're thinking about. You're always welcome to call 404-872-0750. And of course, we'll have Walter Reeves up at the bottom of the hour for the Walter Wonders segment. Kind of things he's thinking about or trying to prepare you for, things to be on the lookout for. And then at 7 o'clock, Celebrity Gardener. And this is a true gardener, Sandra Parrish, WSB reporter Sandra Parrish. I was able to go up to her mountain property in North Georgia, and that gave us a lot to talk about because 360 degrees around that beautiful log cabin, something's flowering every direction you look. So that was really good. And I learned a lot from Sandra, too. So we're going to talk to her. I have some questions about some of the plants that I saw. And then, of course, Pike Nursery coming up at the end of the show at 830 of what you want to get to the nursery and purchase this weekend. 404 eight seven two zero seven fifty we will start off with calls and as we normally do most Saturday mornings we have Nicole up first calling from Griffin hey Nicole good morning Ashley how you doing I feel like I need to clear my throat I've got coffee but it's not really doing the trick how are you <laughs> uh, both of us um, do you hear about brews sometime at at uh, Pike nursery do I what uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce used to be there uh, with Pike many years ago. He knew exactly where the water was going. Um, and he, uh, I, I learned so much about him. He was uh, on the radio. Uh, Bruce Holiday. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I keep in touch with, with all of Walter's friends. I'm so blessed. Everybody he ever introduced me to, including you, have just been the nicest, most encouraging, most supportive people and there's not been a single one that when I'm like, hey, do you want to be a guest on the show because of your knowledge and such and such a topic? I mean, they all just want to help the listeners and want to share what they know. So what a great group of people. And Bruce is included. Yeah, Bruce texts me every now and then and will tell me what he's seeing or, you know, maybe he'll listen to the show and have an addendum to something that I told a caller. So I love that. But what what were you talking about? The water. Um, he was, uh, I don't know if he was an engineer or something, but he knew exactly where the water would would go, how many, um, it's hard to explain until you, you do it. But I learned so much uh, where the water 
if uh, water accumulate there, the grass is not going to grow. It's hard clay. Yeah. You know, where the, oh, it was just so knowledgeful. Almost you know? like engineering and landscape design. I mean, that's yes. really things they have to think about, especially when you start talking about installation of French drains or retaining walls and all those kinds of things that could really be impacted by holding too much water and they're not, you know, constructed properly, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I went to a store this week, and across the store, there's a water tower in Griffin, a big water tower. But I look on the ground, you know what I saw? I saw a big snake. Oh, no. Yes, and he was dead because somebody just didn't pay attention, and he, he, the head was mashed up. But anyway, oh, I turned around, I took a bag, and I brought it here with me. A dead dro- snake? Yes. Oh, God, Nicole, why? <laughs> I know. Why? Because I want to. If you see an animal there, that's the only time, really, a wild animal, that you can look at it really good and learn from it. And I do that with uh, turtles, anything. You know, that's the only time you can. Uh, I saw the, a red fox sometime. I saw oh. this set of teeth. Yo! I didn't bring it home. But anyway, the snake, <laughs> I brought it out of home because... I wanted to see somebody was a king snake, okay? Mm-hmm. But the marking on his back um, was brown, and I was not sure it was a king snake because I look at the head, the head was pointed. See, Usually it's a venomous snake. That's right, because people say, oh, look at the shape of the head. If it's squared or rounded, you'll know if it's venomous or not. And I'm like, mm, don't intend to get that close, so I need yeah. another indicator. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I brought it home. And I put it in the uh, in the driveway for maybe an hour or two, and uh, my cat, they come and smell. They didn't go for the tail. They didn't go for the belly. They went for the mouth. Oh. That's how they know if it is poisonous or not, because mm-hmm. they get gland on the knees there, you know. Yeah. And uh, this poor snake, the cat didn't want to, they knew exactly if it was poisonous or not, you know. But I was thinking, and I put it in the back. And the next day, I go and look if the snake was there. And he was still there. And yeah. I was saying to myself, poor snake, nobody like you when you're alive. Nobody like you when you're dead. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah. Well, that's really smart of you, as long as you know how to you know, properly handle wildlife in that situation once it's passed away. That is really smart to be observant and know. I mean, you know, from a distance, I don't know one snake from another. I'll... I'll I'll always be able to identify a copperhead. I can tell you that. I've seen two. But otherwise, you know, I, I have a lot to learn in that regard. I just kind of go along my merry way and hope to not see them. But I did see a baby when I was mowing the grass about three weeks ago, a baby snake. And he was, of course, crawling as fast as he could away from the lawnmower. But I I just had fear the rest of the time mowing the lawn thinking, where there's a baby, there's got to be brothers and sisters somewhere. But I, I don't know. I didn't go looking for him. Mm-mm. Oh, that's why when when you mow the lawn, no flip flop. You never know what you're gonna hit. Oh, I've almost run shoes. over my foot, so no, I would <laughs> I would never wear flip flops, tennis shoes, or, or boots for sure, depending on how tall the grass is. You know, you were talking about a red fox. That's funny because driving back from J the other day, I was on 515, you know, which becomes 575 in my part of town, and this pickup truck was well ahead of me on the interstate. And I was like, do they have a dog in the bed of the truck from a distance? It looked, and the dog was standing up in the bed of the truck, not moving. And we're going, you know, 70 miles an hour. And I had to get closer thinking this isn't right. These two guys had a coyote that was stuffed, stood up, 
you know, upright in the bed of the truck, and they must have had it, like, bolted down, and they just drove around with this stuffed coyote, full-grown, in the bed of the truck. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I thought, that is so weird. And he was just, like, their little mascot hanging out in the back of the truck as they <laughs> drove south on 515. I thought, well, that's that's one way to keep a dead animal. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. get some attention, too, because if you knew it was a real dog... You never know. You gotta stop, and this poor dog's got oh god, what he at least you know put in the cage or a leash or something. Well, he know? stayed in the um, in the slow lane, and I I was amused staying behind him at a pretty good distance. But as I watched everybody go by in the fast lane, not a single car didn't hit its brakes because I bet as they got up to that pickup truck, they kind of hit their brakes to look over and and like me, make sure that it wasn't alive. Oh, yeah. But once yeah. you watched it long enough, you saw that it didn't move. But I thought that's. That's a whole new uh, hood ornament slash, you know, truck bed ornament that I've not seen before. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, with snakes, you know, something interesting that I've heard that is one of those myths. I think just good um, landscape and lawn practices, you know, keeping away piles of leaves or, you know, a, a mound of bricks and wood and things that you're not using. You know, those are hospitable places for snakes. But something I'd always heard, if you buy a product like with sulfur... And it's sold as a snake deterrent. They, the University of Georgia, they have found that pretty ineffective. And it almost gives you a false sense of security. Like, you know, you read this packaging, it's guaranteed to do this, do that. And then when it doesn't work, you know, you're going about in your lawn just thinking, oh, I've deterred everything. I don't have anything in my lawn. So it's something to think about. You know, do your research if you're really that bent on getting deterrents or repellents for any wildlife nuisance that you don't want, deer or snake or rabbits or anything. And you also have to consider the surrounding environment making sure it's a product that's safe in the event that a child or a pet or something got to it too but i think maybe it was a king snake somebody told me maybe it was a king snake but king snake you want them around they're going to scare you yes but all the rats and the no good thing you know that's true king snake is is uh that's how they call it king snake because they are good we you want them around mm-hmm. they're going to scare you but boy they're going to eat all your rats and your things that you want, don't want around the house. That is know? true. So we don't want to just go killing every snake we see. Just let, you know, leave it alone. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be trying to get away from you anyways. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, good advice, Nicole. Well, quickly, are you thinking about planting anything this time of year? Have you been to the nursery and picked up any fall annuals or anything yet? Yeah, well, annuals, um, but I um, think I'm working on my herb garden. Oh, nice. Now, okay, so are you planting, you know, herbs now for fall? Yes, um, I like to, uh, we still have time, you know, and I like to bring them inside. You wouldn't believe those are five years after that you shake and then the oil is still in it. Uh-huh. You know, so that's why I like, and I like to experiment with different kind of herbs. But I went to the store, didn't have much uh, different, you know. Do you have a uh, have them in a bed or potted? A bed, a okay. bed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Experiment, you know. Oh, I, uh, I paid four dollars for fresh basil the other day, and it killed me. Absolutely killed me to pay that for just a few basil leaves at the grocery store because I didn't plant my own. Womp womp. So, yeah, I know. (laughs) So you're on the right track. Well, Nicole, coming up on 619, we got to go. Give Mike Shields his time and traffic. But have a good weekend. Thank you so much for the thoughtful conversation.
Enjoy your day. All right. We'll be talking to you soon, Nicole. And coming up, we'll talk to Melvin and Austell and Cody in Morgan County and you. Hopefully, give us a call 404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing on WSB. Finley Roofing sponsors your weather update here in the show. High of 88 today, low around 72. Of course, there's a chance of rain, and it was raining on my way in, at least out of the northwest, so that could be an indicator of the day. Cloudy, scattered thunderstorms tomorrow, high of around 90, low around 72, and of course, the humidity is pretty high, too. Right now, it may be as high as 80%. Green and Growing! Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. If you can dodge the rain and find a little dry time to get out, one thing to look for is large webs produced by fall webworms. You're going to see those high in the trees, and they start now. So they could defoliate a tree if left to their own devices. Use a large pole and start to take those out of your trees. Now is a good time to get a little ahead of it. And number two, if you haven't already, fertilize centipede and diagnose dead spots, which a lot of you have called about in the last few weeks. That could be to due to drought, maybe not now, but if you're seeing them a few weeks ago, over-fertilization. So that's why I say if you haven't already fertilized, it could be due to over-fertilization or just mowing incorrectly. So centipede is one of those that you want to mow the grass to less than two inches high. So ideally a little over an inch and a half high. And number three, pruning shrubs. There are some that you can be pruning right now for Scythia, Gardenia, and Sweet Shrub, also known as Calicanthus. That's one that I've got a good time to prune those. Now, if you want to stimulate growth, a pruning cut must be made within six inches of where you want new growth to occur. So keep that in mind. And we're still pretty, you know, late into summer, but away from the first frost. I've done a little bit of research generally on average for Metro Atlanta, and here's why I talk about this. The the first frost that we have is averaging the first week of November. Now, up in J, it could come as early as the first week of October, so that's really early for those folks, but they average the last week of October. So you're looking at end of October, early November. And the reason I say that is because if you prune deciduous shrubs, the ones that lose their leaves, if you prune them in late summer, like much later than now, we're still a long time away from frost, a month or two at least. But that stimulates new growth. Of course, we know that. So you want that new growth to have time to establish itself because it could be susceptible to winter injury. So you just got to keep that in mind if you're pruning something that's you know you need to be a little more cautious with, something deciduous. But yes, today, if you've got forsythia, gardenia, and sweet shrub, those are some things that you could get pruning done. So there's Three simple things for you if you need to get something done. Uh, I definitely would like Cody in Morgan County out east to hang on. Can he graft from one persimmon tree to another? I've got an answer for him that's a little good, a little bad. Uh, Melvin and Austell wanting to cut the lower limbs of his fruit tree, maybe just to be able to get in and out of there with a mower. Gilbert and Monroe, why are tomatoes and peppers growing in some areas and not other areas. So we'll kind of get to the bottom of that. And Jean and Bremen yard covered with mushrooms, hers and everybody else. <laughs> Y'all have noticed that a lot in the last four days, and I'll tell you why. Stay tuned to Green and Growing. Thanks for being here on WSP. Green around 
It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being alongside me this morning. Good calls. Cody in Morgan County. I can't wait to talk about grafting from one persimmon to another. A little bit that I've learned about that. And Jean in Bremen, her yard is covered with mushrooms. That's a really interesting conversation. And I want to turn you to the Facebook page for more on that. When you search Facebook for Green and Growing WSB, I have some good news for you. If, if you're among those who woke up on Wednesday morning and your yard was covered in mushrooms, so I'll get a little more in-depth uh, about that with Jean. But first, on the line, the former host of the Lawn and Garden Show, Walter Reeves. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. Walter Reeves, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me early on Saturday morning. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. Here we are. So today, this is personal. I want to talk. <laughs> you like that? This is between me and the yeah. little the little black guys. Ants. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so we Yes, yeah. we've taken the travel trailer, the camper out a couple of times and I'm telling you, I don't know if we parked it on an ant mound or just left a single solitary yeah. crumb in there, but you've got that line of small little black ants, and yeah. you can trace them for feet and feet and feet, yeah. just seeing where they're all marching to to share that one little morsel of whatever it is. So, <laughs> you know, that's something I've been thinking about, because whether we're talking about fire ants out in the yard, you know, your pets are out there, right, your, your right. kids are out there playing— or something like this where ants are trailing into your kitchen, whether it's through the window, a door, or something like that. Safe ways to prevent them or actually just sure. get rid of them all together. Because um, I have bought the little baits. I think it's Taro uh, makes yeah. the little baits. And those are okay for, you know, maybe higher up where the dogs and the kids aren't going to get to them. Um, but let's start with those little pesky black indoor ants. What is a person to do? You already mentioned the bait that I recommend most is Tarot, T-E-R-R-O. And the reason I like it is I have great pictures of my mother's kitchen at one time about five years ago now that she had, like you, a bunch of ants coming around her kitchen sink. And I put little drops of this liquid tarot bait around there. And the next day, actually, it was covered in mounds of dead ants <laughs> yeah. eating they had to eat their last meal with that tarot stuff. <laughs> they die pretty Ooh. fast. And you would think that crawling over the bodies of their friends, they would figure <laughs> out not to eat it, but they still do. So they kind of have some like, tarot. Mm, yeah, it mm. feels so good now. <laughs> and then the sticky little like paper tents. It's just a three-sided you know, yeah. piece of white cardboard, and they crawl sure. into it. And then they get stuck on you know, the sticky tape or pad or whatever like yeah. that. Um, that seems cruel, but it works. It's effective. The main thing that doesn't work, and this is what the temptation of a lot of people is, is to spray, get the ant spray, you know, that smells bad, mm -hmm. and spray where the ants are crawling in your in your trailer or your house or kitchen or whatever. And really that is repellent to the ants and doesn't do much to kill other than the ones you hit with the spray. So the bait, that tarot bait, some of the ants are going to bring it back to the queen, and that is great. That's golden because you want the queen dead. She's the one who directs the mound, and she's the one who lays the eggs. And so baits do so much better than just spraying and killing and mashing and you know wiping up with a, with a wash rag. Yeah, and, and it should be noted, too, whether it's in our kitchen or on our back deck or patio or especially right around the grill, you know, where you're, you're spilling yeah. things, yeah. you don't even realize you've— dropped a drop of barbecue sauce or something like that. I mean, I've 
I've been known to spill the hummingbird nectar, the hummingbird feeder, (laughs) and, you know, it leaves sugar water and the ants show up within the hour, it seems like. So I usually take just a hot tea kettle, you know, and pour the water, A, to kill the ants, but B, it's cleaning the surface of whatever you left behind with some sticky residue that's going to attract them. Okay, so I had a good uh, message earlier in the month from Carolyn and Noonan, and I knew you'd be perfect for this. Uh, Home remedies for ant mounds. She said they just pop up in the yard, Mm -hmm. and she's used Amdro. Uh, Uh But ant treatments are so expensive. So Carolyn said, I was just wondering if maybe there was a cheaper home remedy like one of your callers had weeks back for aphids. So what do you think? Well, yes, and it's actually one that you've already tried. (laughs) The... Good home remedy. It's not 100%, but a good home remedy for fire ants. I'm assuming she had fire ants because they're the ones that pop up with the mounds. Is boiling water with a couple of instructions. You can use boiling water effectively against fire ants. And the instructions are number one, do it in the morning. Uh, about 2, 10, 11 a.m. would be a good time to do it because at that time of the day, the ants in the mound have moved the queen up to the top, and a lot of the other ants are up to the top of the mound, close to the surface. And if you pour boiling water onto them then, you hit and kill more of them than if you wait until 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon when all the ants say, man, it's hot out there. Let's get down deep in the cool soil and, and uh, be comfortable. So for your emailer who wanted to know about an organic home way of controlling fire ants, yeah, boiling water as long as you do it at the right time. Wow, nice. Okay, and wasn't there something (laughs) with fire ants? Oh, gosh, this is terrible. They're not as bad now as in the spring, but if you see those mounds and can safely maneuver around them in the yard, didn't you say something about like a a glass bowl and the sunshine does the work? (laughs) That was a yellow jacket. Oh, was it? (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm thinking like if the sun comes through that glass bowl and just bakes the little guys uh, to death. I might. Try and see. Let me know how that worked out for you, Ashley. Ooh, they'd get so mad. Your emailer also mentioned having used a bait using Amdro, mm-hmm. and you can't hurry Amdro. Amdro is a fabulous bait. It's not organic, but it is a fabulous, safe material that you can use. And even in a garden, you wouldn't use it in the garden, but you use it around the perimeter of a vegetable garden. So the ants in the garden go out and grab some and take it back again to kill the queen. But Andro takes two, three weeks maybe before you see any kind of effect on the mounds. But if your emailer has used Andro, she will get less, she'll have less fire ants next spring than she would have otherwise. Andro is good stuff. Oh, wow. It'll hold over that long. It, the damage that you do to the mouse now and the fall is a great time to control fire ants because they're hungry right now they're thinking oh it's going to get cold soon we got to get all our food inside and when they go out and find this bait the andro bait looks like ant food mm. the fire ants say oh great got to have this and they bring <laughs> it in and like i said it is a poison it has a very very small little amount of uh, hormone on it that makes the queen not able to lay her eggs anymore if she can't lay her eggs, she got no more. You have no more fire ants, and they die out gradually during the winter. Wow. Okay. Now let me ask you this: How badly have you ever been bitten by fire ants? Uh, badly enough to pull my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was wasn't a, out at like a public garden talk. <laughs> no, it wasn't a garden talk. It was when I was. Oh, probably 15 or 16, I guess. And I've st- it's funny when they first came to Georgia because nobody quite knew what fire ants were when I was a teenager. And uh, I stepped in the mound of them Ooh. and they crawled up my pants and, oh, pull those britches off and 
Oh, wash gosh. them off and brush them off and get those fire ants off my legs. So what do you do for the bite afterwards? Luckily, I've only been, you know, like a little mosquito prick here and there with a fire ant. I always, but... for, I always for things like that, for mosquitoes, for um, wasps and things that itch a little bit, mm-hmm. chiggers even, I use hot water. I use really, really hot water on a washcloth and just dab it on. Just dab it on right there where the bite is. And that bite, that uh, hot water, keeps the bite from itching. It's remarkable. Wow! How well, that works. Oh, that's easy. See, yeah. you are are you are full of just cheap, efficient, effective ideas. Uh, old guy, old guy. <laughs> no, I mean I it's love the it. Old guys. We're all trying to save a little bit of money here and there, so doing homemade remedies. Um, yeah. real quick, I've I've got a couple more minutes, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. Yeah. Do you have good home remedies that somebody could try on anything, whether it's something out in the garden or something to use, I don't know. To make- you know, just now we talked about the glass bowl over the yellow jacket. That would be something I wish more people would try because I have heard that if you take a clear glass bowl, put it over a yellow jacket hole, you do that in the evening when they're not flying around, that indeed you do get good control. But not enough people have done it, you know, to to really make me feel good about recommending it. How long do you need oh, to leave it out there, though? Like overnight and then into the next I morning? A couple of days. Oh, a couple of days. Get a good okay. hot underneath there, yeah. Hmm. I'll tell you one thing that does not work for fire ants, going back to fire ants, club soda. Oh. Do not think that club soda poured into a fire ant mound will do anything. It will not. That sounds, no grit. sounds kind no of silly. No grits. Grits doesn't make the fire ant unhappy. It doesn't explode them or anything like that either. <laughs> no grits, no seltzer water in the fire ant mound. Doesn't work. Oh man! All right. Well, we'll stick with the uh, we'll stick with the baits and yeah, just hope that the, that work. the queen dies. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for your insight. I hope a lot of folks find that useful. And if they wanted to look up a little bit more about ants on your website, I'm sure you've got something, right? Oh, bunches, bunch, bunch. I got some fire ants in the garden, fire ants in the lawn, uh, regular ants with uh, baits and tarot and stuff like that. Also, just go to walterreeves.com and type fire ant or house ants. I think either one will get you there. Next weekend, we're going to talk about weeds. So anybody that has weeds, which I think is every single homeowner, lawn owner, gardener in the state, will want to hear that. I will look forward to it. See you Thanks so much, Walter. 404-872-0750. Time to sneak in a call before we have to go to break. Jean and Bremen, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. I want to know anything I can put out and all my flower beds and yard for mushrooms. Because you had a lot pop up with all the rain last week, didn't you? (laughs) So, yeah, like I was saying, you and everybody else. But I have some good news. Now, if you have them popping up in flower beds, yes, you don't want them there. Yes, they're annoying. They're a nuisance. But they're a sign of healthy soil. So that means you should just plant some more stuff in the flower bed. And I think the beds are in great shape. For anything you want to put in right now, whether it's some fall annuals, maybe some vegetables, something like that. I know all of us had mushrooms just pop up overnight, maybe Tuesday into Wednesday is when I really started seeing a lot of pictures on folks' Facebook pages. But uh, there was one, somebody posted a cauliflower mushroom, which is really, really cool. It looks like a large piece of coral, almost like a brain. And that was found like under an oak tree, generally found under hardwoods like oaks and occasionally under conifers and things like that. And that one's edible. But the the ones that pop up in your yard, really there's no way to prevent them because they just come up when the conditions are just right. So you just have to go and manually remove them. And I'm not going to say that they may be poisonous or they may not be. I don't know. But generally I would just to be safe, keep the pets 
and the kids away. So yeah, nothing to really put in the soil, but it's a good sign. It's a good thing that you've got the mushrooms. If you want to see pictures of so many folks' mushrooms, they saw really cool Different color, different shapes, different sizes. I was amazed at at least the 20 pictures that were shared with me on the Facebook page. Green and Growing WSB is what you search on Facebook. Green and Growing WSB. And it was a post from just one day ago. Mushrooms popping up in everybody's yards. Really cool. And Cody in Morgan County, you were on hold for a long time. Wanted to know about grafting a persimmon. If you will, call back. Because even if I don't get you on the air, I wanted to at least share a publication with you an article from the University of Georgia about grafting that persimmon. This isn't the time of year to do it, but Cody in Morgan County, if you want to call back, I'll get your email address and send you that. 649, we'll be back on Green and Growing on WSB. And Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz with your weekend weather forecast. Isolated storms today. I think he said the storm chance decreases as the day goes on. That's really good. A high of around 88, 89, low around 72. Humidity up around 80%. Yuck. Tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms. High around 90 and a low around 72. 40% chance. Intervals of clouds and sun. A few scattered thunderstorms. 404-872-0750. Good morning to Melvin and Austell. How are you doing, Melvin? Oh, Melvin, there you are. Good morning. How are you doing? Hey, hey, hey. So, sorry you had to hold so long. What's going on? I was calling about my, about my young trees. I got a whole lot of lower limbs on my fruit trees. And like you said, when I be cutting the grass, they be in the way. But uh, since they're not uh, producing fruit or anything, can I trim those up and... Because the ones I had, I had one, it got so heavy one time, and the limb had broke. Oh, no, yeah, on. you definitely want to have a little more control over that. You want to be the one to make the cut rather than it breaking off, because when it breaks, that makes the tree really susceptible to damage, right? So one yeah, thing, and the tree died. Yes, and one thing about peach trees in particular, you definitely don't want to prune those from October to January. I know that that's been ingrained in me. So here we are, late August. I think that would be fine if you're only limbing them up and not doing anything else. That's totally fine to do that to the peach trees. And, you know, are the are the limbs really big around? Like, how big around would you mm, say they are? Small limbs. These are little sprouts because uh, they, they haven't been in the ground no more than two years. Okay, okay. And, and then I got and I got a pear, pear tree, and it looked like a little tree. How can I clean that up? It looks like mm. a what? Like a tree. Uh, <laughs> because there's so many stems, you know, so many branches going all kind of ways. Yeah, and how old is that? That's fairly new, too. Uh, probably yes, revenue yes. But. So I myself am not trained in the art of getting the fruit tree ready, and the first three years are really impressionable on a new fruit tree. And how you prune, and you know, opening up the tree so that as you prune, you're kind of setting the form of the tree those first few years, and allowing all the sunlight in the middle and all of that. So Melvin, what I'm probably going to do for the pear tree, because I, I, you don't just go in there and just remove small limbs. I mean, there's there's definitely a method to it. So if it's not something you've ever done before, I want to get your email address and send you the diagram from the University of Georgia from the Extension Agency 
the diagram of what types of pruning cuts to make in those fruit trees because these first few years are so important in training it and setting the formation for it. So I'm going to send you that. That way you have the diagrams much easier to put in pictures than into words on the radio. Um, so hang on, DeMarco, I'll get your email address and I'll get that along to you. Thank you for the call. And more calls coming up, plus the celebrity gardener, someone here near and dear to our hearts at WSB. You don't want to miss it at 7 o'clock. Stay tuned to Green and Growing here on WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.